I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I have Perla Rodriguez, who lives in the suburbs of Chicago with her husband of 10 years and two sons. For over 10 years, she and her husband have served in ministry and are currently worship directors at our church in Elgin, Illinois. They also lead a weekly Spanish small group where their goal is to instill hope and encouragement to marriages struggling with chronic illness, infertility, and loss of a loved one. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast, Perla. Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be able to be sharing my story through here. And I'm just praying, you know, that it will bless somebody out there that is listening to it. And just thank you so much, Madeline, for this opportunity. Amen. I'm excited to have you on. And I remember telling you that when I decided to launch this podcast back in February, when I was kind of thinking about it, Mm -hmm. you were definitely like one of the top three people that popped into my head. And I know that was the Lord. And I knew that I wanted to have you on because I watched your journey on Facebook. And, you know, we went to the same church and we used to be on the worship team. And and I've just seen you over the past 10 years, you, your family, your sister. I mean, you guys are just amazing. And so I knew that I wanted to have you on and just share this amazing testimony. And like I say, even if it blesses just one person or hundreds, I know that it will be for God's glory. Yes, yes, amen. And so kind of take us back to that time when when you got this difficult diagnosis. And because of that diagnosis, many other things occurred and happened in your life. Yes, it all started. I was 19 years old back in 2009. I remember it was Thanksgiving Day. I woke up that morning and I had a rash all over my body. And I wasn't too freaked out about it. I thought probably something I ate, I probably got an allergic reaction to something. So I didn't really think much of it. But I did, you know, obviously go to the doctor to get it checked out. And when they saw it, they're like, well, no, this doesn't look like an allergic reaction doesn't look like that type of rash. So they said, are you under stress? And I I let them know, you know, I'm going to be getting married next month. So right away, they're like, okay, that's the issue here. You're stressed out about your wedding. They're like, but once, you know, the wedding's over, you're going to go back to normal, no more rashes, and everything's going to be okay. So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, it's going to be fine. And they gave me medication for it, and I was better. And then I got another rash again about a week before my wedding. And that one, I was freaking out. I'm like, my wedding's a week away, and I have this rash again. (laughs) And I remember my mom rushed me to the ER because obviously we needed something to make it go away as soon as possible. So when we got there, they're like, okay, it's just stress again, you know, it'll go away. They gave me some steroid shots. And you know, they said, you're going to be good to go and you'll be fine. So you know, I was trusting the doctors. Well, I got married, had my wedding. About two months after my wedding, I started noticing at work, I would translate papers and stuff. I worked at a middle school as an ESL teacher, and I was translating paperwork in Spanish for the office. And I started noticing that I wouldn't be able to move my fingers all of a sudden, like they would just stay stuck. And I was like, okay, this is not normal. And then on another day, it would be like my arm that I wouldn't be able to move it anymore. Like all of a sudden, my arm wouldn't function anymore. And so I was like, okay, something's definitely going on because this is not normal. I thought I had arthritis. So Mm -hmm. I called my 
primary care physician. I went to go see her. And when I let her know, you know, the symptoms I was having, and then she looked back to a few months past and she thought that I had had a rash. She's like, well, you know what? I think you either have rheumatoid arthritis or it could be something called lupus. And I was like, lupus? I had never, ever in my life heard that word before. I was Mm -hmm. completely clueless to it. And so she kind of explained it a little bit to me. And she's like, but I'm going to send you to a rheumatologist, get more labs done, and then we'll be able to confirm, you know, what exactly is going on. So she did that. But the diagnosis, it just took about a month or two months. And Mm -hmm. so in the meantime, my symptoms were just getting worse and worse because the lupus was just attacking my body in such a violent way like it was going too fast and it started attacking my kidneys and it started attacking my joints and I got to a point where I couldn't walk I couldn't eat on my own I would have to have help from my family from my husband daily things that I was able to do before I wasn't able to do them anymore Wow. I can't even imagine. I mean, you're so young and you're just starting out your life and you're being attacked by lupus and have no idea what it is, what it does. Yeah. And it's kind of ravaging your body and your day to day and not being able to even take care of yourself, I can imagine was so difficult. I know that you had said that the rheumatologist or the doctor had also said that you may not be able to have children. Tell me about that. What did it feel like when you heard that for the first time? I remember when I finally got the lupus diagnosis, I remember it was in the doctor's office, my husband and I, my parents actually were joining us as well. And she said, well, we finally know what you have. And she was like, you have, you have lupus. And she said, I know you guys are newlyweds, but I just want to let you know that whatever your plans were of a family, whatever dreams you had of of having children, like you can forget about that because it's not going to happen. And not anymore with this sickness, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it was very shocking to hear that. But at the same time, the way she said it, like, I feel like she didn't feel bad about it. Like, she just said right. it, like, so bluntly, like, it was like, mm-hmm. like, it's nothing important, you know? Right. And it, we, we just weren't expecting those things, especially as newlyweds, you know, you get married and you have hopes for a family and you're looking towards a future, you know, building a future right. with a family. And just to have that shattered all of a sudden so quickly into our marriage was very devastating mm-hmm. to us. But at the same time, once we left that office, my husband and I, we said, you know what, we just felt that wasn't really coming from God. We felt like that's not God's plan for our lives, for our marriage. And we knew and we just felt it in ourselves that God was going to give us children. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. But we knew that what the doctor had just told us, it just wasn't coming from God. And so at that moment, we just held on to the promise that one day we were going to be parents and we were going to have our own children. Mm-hmm. Especially knowing that I was just recently diagnosed with this sickness and we're going to have to deal with that first. But um, we knew that in the future, God was going to give us that promise. Thank God for your faith, because if you didn't have your faith, my God, you probably would have walked out of there thinking that your life was over when it should have been just beginning, like you said, dreaming of a family. And so let's fast forward a little bit. I know that five years later, you got an amazing surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Five years into our our marriage, I finally got pregnant. We got our our miracle. And we were so happy. You know, we weren't expecting it at the time. You know, it was obviously it was a huge surprise to us and to everybody, you know. That's how it Um, happens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, After so many years finally happened. So we just knew it was an answered prayer from God. And it was just a miracle, a miracle from God, you know, that he allowed us to the opportunity to have this miracle boy. 
That's awesome. And I know that obviously you were coping still with the lupus, dealing with all of that. During your pregnancy, I know that you were having some difficulties. Tell me a little bit about the things that you had to do while you were pregnant to keep the baby healthy and continue to maintain the pregnancy. When I was about 22 weeks pregnant, I went to my regular doctor's appointment. They checked my blood pressure and it was high. So they quickly sent me over to the hospital and that's where they did more blood work. And they realized, you know what, your kidney function is not very well. Your kidneys, they're, they're really struggling right now because now they're having to work for two people. Mind you, even before I got pregnant, I had to go through chemo because my kidneys were already failing. So even wow. before my pregnancy, I was already, you know, my kidneys were already struggling. And you said that you were also doing dialysis, right? Yeah. So they started me on dialysis during That's my pregnancy. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. I had to start dialysis right away during my pregnancy. Uh, I would do dialysis for five hours every day, which Ugh. was horrible, especially when you're every pregnant. Day? Every day. They did say I would have to be hospitalized for the rest of my pregnancy, and they didn't know how long that was going to be. So mm -hmm. every day I would have to go to dialysis, laying down in my hospital bed and, you know, doing all of that. Unfortunately, at week 24, coming back from one of my dialysis treatments, they did the regular ultrasound that they do, and they saw that there wasn't enough blood flow going into the umbilical cord to my son. So they mm -hmm. said that I would need an emergency C-section right away. So it was in that moment, you know, I was not expecting to have my son that day. Right. They rushed me to the OR, and um, I, had, I delivered my son at 24 weeks and six days. Oh, my goodness. And so you deliver your son, you're in the hospital, you're obviously right, believing that, hey, you know what, he's going to be okay, because God blessed me with him. And, and he's going to make it and we're going to fight through this. And, yeah. and so what happened when the doctor came in to talk to you guys? Well, him being a micro preemie, we didn't really know, you know, what's going to happen with him. You know, you just never know with a, with a baby that small. But mm -hmm. thankfully, my son was doing wonderful. When they're in the NICU, they start doing different tests right away and see how they're doing and all of that. And he was passing all the tests real well. He was drinking my milk and he mm -hmm. was doing so good. And wow. it was, I remember it was day three of him having been born and we had been enjoying him going to the NICU, you know, and visiting mm -hmm. him and stuff like that. Day three, we were sleeping. I was still in the hospital because since I had a C-section, I was staying there for a little bit longer. And right. I remember it was four in the morning. I was woken up by a phone call. And when I answered the phone, it was my son's doctor from the NICU saying, you guys have to come down. You know, your son has been struggling all night and we just don't think he's going to make it. It's the phone call. No mom wants to hear. Um, it's the phone call. You just hope you never have to answer. So quickly, I woke up my husband and I said, Sadok is really sick. We have to rush down. They don't think he's going to make it. So my, my husband wheeled me down to the NICU and um, we were there by his side, just watching, you know, slowly as his heart rate just kept going down and down. Um, mm -hmm. We were praying that God would do a miracle. In, in my head, the whole time I was thinking, God, like, he's a miracle. You know, we waited so long, like, Yes. I don't I don't think you would take you, you would allow him to pass away. I don't think you would allow him to not be here on earth with us, you know, after mm -hmm. us waiting so long. And we kept praying and we kept praying for those hours for a miracle for life. Unfortunately, at seven in the morning of that day, our son took his last breath here on earth. I remember I just I was in shock. I think I just couldn't believe it. Like the fact that He's not here anymore with us. The fact that I wasn't mm -hmm. going to be able to 
mother him, you know, like a normal mm-hmm. mother would. To me, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I gonna, how am I gonna tell people, like people that have been following our journey for years, and people right. that were along with us, they were rejoicing because you know yes. now we had our miracle. And in me, I was like, God, like I don't want people to doubt you. I don't want them to think that you're a bad person, that you're a mm. bad God because you allowed this to happen. In me, I was thinking about people. Like, what are people gonna think about you, God? Wow. I, I, I don't want them to think bad about you for you allowing mm. this to happen. Especially because you did this miracle and now it's it's, it's gone. That's mm-hmm. mainly what I was struggling with at that moment in that hospital room. You know, like you're saying that, and I'm getting emotional because I remember being one of those people following and rejoicing and feeling sad. But I would have never thought that in that moment that you were concerned about people and what they would say about God. Because, you know, people could easily say, oh, how could God let this happen? You know, but that's not the kind of God that we serve. God loves us. And sometimes things happen and we will never have the why Mm -hmm. it happens. But we have to still in the thick of it, in the difficulty and the pain, we have to still trust that there's a plan and a purpose in the future for us. And so, It's amazing to me that that was your concern and that was your worry. And that just shows the type of faith and the type of woman that you are, that you still wanted God to be glorified and for people to see that, hey, he's still a miracle worker. It just it just didn't happen during this time. And so I know you had shared that you were grieving, just grieving. I can imagine going home and knowing that you weren't going to take your baby home with you. And so how was it those first few weeks after you lost your baby? In the beginning, I said, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be brave. I remember even in my son's memorial, I was smiling and I was happy and I just wanted to put a brave face on. Well, I know my family, they were, I mean, you look at the pictures and they're just sad. Their faces are sad and I'm trying over here to smile, you know, and that's just kind of how I wanted to be. Like, I wanted to be strong. I I was thinking like, I'm going to overcome this. Like, it's going to be okay. Like I can go on with my life. And I think the first week, that's what I kept telling myself. I'm Mm going to be okay. I I can go through this. I'm going to be strong. You know, uh, I went through the lupus. I I handled that well. I can do this again. But I got to a point where I I realized that it was just too much. The pain of, of losing my son, the pain of having to live this life without him here, the pain, you know, that it was. And, And I think what was harder my husband and I were both grieving. What people don't realize is that we all grieve differently. And yes. the way that I was grieving is, was not the same way that my husband was grieving. And I was the type of person that I wanted to talk about my son. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about him all the time. And, yes. and um, when Mother's Day came along, like I wanted to celebrate that, that I was a mom. And my husband was the complete opposite. Like he kept it all inside. Like he didn't want to mm. talk about it. When Father's Day came around, like he's like, don't even talk about me being a dad. Like I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to remember because it brought him pain. So I think in me, that was even harder because I feel like I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. Exactly. You know, my husband was mm-hmm. the only one that knew what I was going through because we both dealt with the same pain. Mm-hmm. We both lost our son. But yes. that one person that could understand me wasn't willing to talk about it. So I think that even made it harder. And it definitely affected our marriage greatly during that time. 
Wow, I can relate to that. Last week, I just launched my own episode and I talked about miscarriage. And I know Mm -hmm. it's a little bit different because you got to have your baby and hold them, but the pain is still the pain. And you do feel like no one understands. And it's not, sometimes it's not even just your husband. It's like, I think your family and your friends in general, like they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And part of it is because I think they think if we talk about it, it's going to hurt her more. Yeah. But they don't realize that we want to talk about it because that was important. It was a life. It was a baby. It was something you created. And you feel like, oh, everybody just forgot about my baby. Everybody forgot that I was going to be a mom. I've talked to other moms that have lost babies just like you. And I'm like, no, you're right. You need to talk about that because that's going to help you to heal. But with guys, they're so different. And I look (laughs) back now and I understand now. I didn't understand that like you. I was angry Mm -hmm. sometimes at my husband. Mm -hmm. the first time around and it does affect your marriage you know and if Mm -hmm. there's any wives out there that are listening it's not that they don't care it's just they don't know how to process it the way that we do and we're men and women are so different yeah and so the second time that I that we lost our baby he grieved differently and I felt like we were in it together So I can totally relate to that. And I I feel so bad. But I know that you have an amazing husband and an amazing family. And I'm glad that you realize that you guys were just in different places, you know, mourning in different ways. Earlier, you had said that obviously your kidneys were failing. Your doctors had told you that you were going to need a kidney transplant eventually. And that was something that you had talked about once you had the baby. Yeah. And so tell me about your journey as far as having to look for and find an organ donor. Right away. um, I mean, even when I was pregnant, like you mentioned, um, they told me I will definitely need a kidney transplant because of how affected my kidneys were with the pregnancy. So as soon as I had my son and, you know, we went through all of that, I started, you know, the process of the transplant and started meeting with a transplant team and meeting to see if I was a good candidate for a transplant and, and all of that. And then once they said I was a good candidate to receive a transplant, they said, well, yeah, now you need to look for a donor or else you're going to have to wait, you know, I mean, look for a living donor or you're going to have put on the list. And so what I did, I actually posted on Facebook that I was going to need a kidney transplant donor and crazy that all of a sudden uh, I received a message right away from a girl from the church I used to attend. It had different campuses. Mm -hmm. I was part of the Spanish campus and this girl was part of another campus. And, you know, we didn't really have a friendship or anything like that. We would just see each other, you know, whenever our our church would get together and whatnot. But she sent me a message and she said, you know what, I want to get tested to be a donor. I was shocked, you know, because I'm like, well, she doesn't even know me. Like, it's it's crazy, you know, that somebody would be willing to do that, you know, for somebody else that you don't really have a deep friendship with. Exactly. And I remember she was just so sure about the fact that she was going to be compatible. Like, she just knew it in her. And really? I remember she told me that um, she had been sick with sickle cell since she was young. And she said that God had healed her a few years back. And she's like, I knew there was a reason for my healing. And she's like, and I feel like this is the reason why God healed me so I could donate my kidney to you. And and I was like shocked when she said that. And that's why she was so sure that she was mm-hmm. going to be the one that was going to be compatible. I remember I received a phone call saying that she was compatible and she was so happy. And she's like, I knew it. I just knew it. She just knew that God had placed it in her heart and she was so yes. sure about it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how it happened. It was crazy, crazy. And Amen. it's amazing uh, up to this to this day, you know, I'm so I'm so thankful for her life and so thankful for her being obedient to what God had told her to do. 
Yes. Amen. And that just kind of resonates with your concern about people thinking, hey, God blessed her with this baby and then now the baby's gone. But God still showed up and said, hey, you know what, Bill? I'm not done with you. I'm going to bring you an organ, a healthy organ so that you can continue your life and the plan and the purpose that I have for you. And yes. and that was this amazing person. You know, you and I talked about it. We want more people to do that. We want yeah. more people, right? To be yeah. selfless and to say, hey, I'm going to donate. I'm going to go get tested. I'm going to give mm-hmm. whether I know somebody or not. When they hear your story, they can say, wow, imagine if she didn't get that organ, God knows what would have happened and she would not be able to live the life that that she's living right now. And so yeah. I'm so glad and so grateful. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, what was your motivation to continue to push through and just not give up through all of these different challenges that you faced? It got to a point after losing my son that I just, I didn't want to live anymore. I don't have my son here on earth with me. I'm dealing with health issue where my kidneys are failing me. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. Just God, just take me. I just want to be in heaven where I don't have to worry about anything. And I was going through that feeling where I just didn't want to be alive anymore. But I remember that when everything happened with the kidney donor and everything went through it and just the, how fast the process was, it was, it's crazy. You know, it was in a matter of four months that everything happened and I had a new kidney. And wow. that's when I realized, you know what, like my time here is not done. Like God still has purpose for me here on earth because he showed it to me by putting this person that hardly knows me. This right. person has decided to give one of her organs to donate it to me. And I knew that God was in the midst of all of that because I could see it in every single detail. Like he was orchestrating everything. And apart from that, another one of my motivations was the fact that I knew that with this new kidney, I would be able to have children in the future. And that mm. was my motivation to keep on going. The fact that, you know what, God can still give me children. Like he promised me that I would mother children, you know, and, and that I would right. be a mom here on earth. And so I was still looking at that promise, still believing in that promise. And so that was my motivation to keep on going, to not give up, to continue trusting in God, to continue trusting in his plan that even though things didn't go the way I expected them to go in the past that I knew that he was still good and he was, he still had a purpose for my life and and for my family. Amen. And so you believed in a future still after all of that. I love that. What would you, if anything, have done differently looking back at this journey? I would have definitely seeked counseling for my husband and I. I think that's the most important one. Even now I have people, they lose a child and they reach out to me and they ask me, you know, what should we do? And the first thing I always tell them is seek counseling. If you guys can mm-hmm. like do it, if we would have done that, I feel like we wouldn't have gone through so much heartache, you know, and so much right. pain because we didn't have counseling. And I would have also been more honest, you know, with my close friends. Like I said, I put on a front, I put on a brave face. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was a leader in church and I was Mm -hmm. a worship leader and people would see me up on stage worshiping God. And I just didn't want them to see me down. I didn't Mm -hmm. want them to think that I was mad at God, thinking that I didn't love God anymore or whatever. Like if I would right. God, I didn't want them to know any of that. You know, I didn't want to fail them. And mm. so I feel like that happens a lot. Like when you know that there's people looking up at you and you don't want to fail them. You don't want to be honest with them and let them know, you know what? Like I can't handle this. Like, you know what? Like yes. I'm struggling because sometimes right. they have this perception of you, like that you are strong, that you, you can do it all, that right. nothing's going to bring you down and you kind of feel bad, like letting them down. 
I wouldn't have isolated myself as much. You know, I would stay right. home for long hours by myself. My husband would work and keep myself away from people. And I would just stay home and think about how horrible my life was at the moment, which yeah. is not healthy at all. Because mm-hmm. in those moments when you isolate yourself, that that's when the enemy takes advantage to start attacking your mind and your thoughts not good to be isolated you know surround yourself with people you know that are going to encourage you to uplift you and i would have taken time to rest and unplug and heal yeah it's not something that i did right yeah you just you kept going 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 i interviewed somebody a few weeks ago pastor daisy altieri and she said the same thing when she was diagnosed with ms yeah she said that as a pastor and as a pastor's wife everybody's looking at you like oh how is she going to react to this how is she going to handle it And she says, yeah, there's like this pressure of having to make it seem like everything's perfect and everything's good. And she did the same thing. She said, I isolated myself for a year. I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that anybody Mm -hmm. would understand. And so even just being on the podcast was like, whoa, she really opened up. But she needed to do that because she knows that there are people that need to hear our stories, need to hear your story, needed to hear hers. Yeah. And so that's really, really great advice. And so if there was somebody out there right now, Perla, that experienced some of the same things, you know, maybe has lupus or, you know, has lost a child, what would you say to them today to encourage them? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to to be honest and with yourself and with those around you and tell them, you know what, I'm not okay. And it's okay to seek counseling, to seek help. I think that's so important to get help from somebody that can help you as you go through the process of healing or when you get a diagnosis, even then there's support groups for that, you know, people that can help you as you deal with that diagnosis. And it's important to seek the help that you need. We can't do it all. We're human beings. And obviously God helps us, but he also has put people around us people that that know how to counsel us and how to be there to support us through the struggles. Mm -hmm. Also, there's no timeline on grief. I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, she should be done, you know, grieving. Like they already passed away like two months ago. Um, I know, I know my husband and I got that. I remember one time my husband mentioned to me that somebody wrote to him, messaged him on, on Facebook saying, your son passed away like a few months ago already. Like, shouldn't you guys move on already? And I was like, what? Like, there's no timeline on grief and everybody grieves differently. So you just got to give yourself time, give yourself time to heal and to grieve. And I think like the most important one and the one that has helped me the most, because I tried to figure things out on my own after losing my son and I tried to heal on my own and it didn't work. The most important thing is to hold on to the father, talk to the father, talk to God. And he really is the only one that can heal the broken. I speak from experience. He's the only one that was able to help me get out of the dark pit of hurt, of pain, of grief that I was going through. And he's the only one that's going to get you through it. You got to definitely talk to him and seek him. He's the only one that's going to help you out and, and heal your heart. Amen. Amen. That's such great advice. And it's so, so true. And so before we go, I wanted to recap a little bit. So you get diagnosed with lupus, you're told that you're not going to have a baby, you get pregnant, sadly you lose your child, you're grieving the loss, and you're still needing a kidney transplant, and you beat the odds because you remain faithful and you trusted God's plan for you and your husband and, and your future. And so please, please tell people what your amazing life looks like today. 
Yeah, um, I'll gladly do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> God gave us another miracle son. Of 2017, we had our, our second son, Lael, and he actually just turned three a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then we recently, in February of this year, we had our third son, um, Jotham, and he will be turning five months. There are two healthy boys that I am so thankful and and I daily see God's grace and mercy and redemption through them and his love towards us as a family. And that's just, Amen. you know, a, a promise that has been kept and that God has definitely answered our prayers, you know, still serving in ministry, still in love with God and still helping others, you know, in their journeys as well. So God triumphs over everything that we go through, and He is still there in the shadows, carrying us when we think that there's nothing left for us. And I love that. And so if there is anyone out there that wants to connect with Bella and with Paco and what you guys are doing in ministry at our church in Elgin, you know, how can they connect with you? Uh, They can connect with me through Facebook under Perla Rodriguez and on Instagram as Perla.rot25. Also on YouTube, they can go to Our Church Elgin and there they will find sermons that I have preached on this subject and also some that I've preached alongside with my husband where we talk about how we've overcome the obstacles that our marriage has faced. Amen. Well, I am so happy and so blessed that you shared your story today. And I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I know that your story is going to impact so, so many people. And I pray that God right now prepares the hearts and the ears for those that need to hear your story and your testimony of victory and what God has done in your life and the healing that he has brought. And the fact that you continue to point people to Jesus in spite of all this hurt and this pain is just amazing. And I'm so grateful. And I pray blessings over you, your husband, your beautiful boys. I love watching and seeing pictures and seeing all the cool things things that you guys are doing. And you guys are just a walking testimony. You don't even have to speak. People that see your journey know that you guys love the Lord and that you're faithful. And so thank you for serving the way that you do and for walking with other people on this journey to healing. And so I thank you and I welcome you to come back anytime to minister to anyone that may need continued healing. Thank you so much, Bella. Thank you so much, Madeline. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous. Courageous.